Ray Muscolo was one year sober in the fall of 2020. He had a new business, a new baby daughter. The Beverly Hills resident was getting his life back to a better place. Until one Sunday evening, he relapsed. With just a few clicks on his phone, Ray ordered up on-demand drugs, delivered right to him. The next morning, he was found dead from a fentanyl overdose. There is one positive outcome from Ray Muscolo's tragic death, though. It helped to expose a drug delivery business that used a disturbing distribution model. There's delivery just like Postmates or Uber Eats or ordering a pizza, and they come to your house and bring you anything. I had no awareness to that whatsoever, so... Now when I'm just driving around, I'll see cars sometimes, don't they go? I wonder if that's like some drugs being delivered now. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Friday, April 1st, 2022. Today, LA Times courts reporter Michael Finnegan takes us to key locations around Los Angeles, spots that help the feds uncover a delivery app-like drug business, and then they were able to shut it down. When I first heard about this story, about this case, I was new to the federal court beat, and I had noticed there were a whole lot of drug cases, and I saw the complaint in Mini Todorova's arrest, and I thought, this looks interesting. I don't know what exactly happened here, the name of the guy who was found on his kitchen floor in Beverly Hills is still unknown. How big her drug operation is not yet clear. How big they think it is. But there's something here. I'm going to follow this case and see if if there isn't something here. And then the longer I followed it, the more interesting it got. Let's see. Pulling up here to a Bank of America branch at Hollywood Boulevard in Vermont, and this is actually one of the first things that alerted me to there being a story here. When Mimi Todorova was first arrested, I saw in the complaint that DEA agents had followed her around town, including to this bank where they watched her get a few thousand dollars and then leave um, and go on what they describe as drug runs. But but I know this bank. I've been by here a hundred times and I recognize the building where she lives. There's a Shake Shack downstairs where I had lunch a bunch of times. And there was a guy who was unidentified who had died in Beverly Hills and was found on his kitchen floor, but I didn't know who he was, but I was intrigued who was this guy. The story really starts here. We're out in front of a house on Beverly Drive, right where Beverly Hills becomes Los Angeles, and this is where Ray Muscolo lived. It's right across the street from this very fragrant orange grove on the edge of Coldwater Canyon Park, and uh, it's a modern white stucco house, pretty close to the curb. It was a Sunday night in November 2020. He was home alone, 37-year-old guy with a new Chihuahua puppy named uh, Versace. Muscolo had had substance abuse issues over the years. He'd been sober, though, for about a year, and he had a four-month-old baby. He was uh, sharing custody with the mother, 
And on uh, this particular night, stress, depression, whatever it was, he had a relapse. He picked up his phone and texted a contact who was listed as Mimi Snowy about buying some drugs. She offered him a whole menu of drugs, acid, mushrooms, ecstasy, you name it. And they cut a deal for a gram of cocaine and five oxycodone pills for $160 plus a $30 delivery fee. And a little while later, a driver in a white Honda Civic pulled up, and there's a camera lens that picked up the image of the car stopped, and Ray walks out of the house. It's the last time he was seen, gets the drugs, goes back in the house. Next morning, he was supposed to pick up his baby at 10 in the morning and didn't show up. A maintenance guy comes over to the house, opens the door, and the chihuahua leads the maintenance guy into the kitchen where Ray Muscolo's body is on the floor, and he's dead. More after the break. Welcome back. My LA Times colleague Michael Finnegan continues his story. And that's where it starts. The DEA starts investigating after this. It it looks as though he might have OD'd from fentanyl. And they test the drugs at a lab. And what's left of his drugs does test positive for fentanyl. And this investigation winds up being a, a pretty important one. Fentanyl's killing a lot of people, over 100,000 overdoses nationwide last year. And what's driving those numbers so high in large part is fentanyl in the cocaine and oxycodone pills that people are buying. And in California in particular, a big problem is that oxycodone pills look real, but they're not pharmaceutical pills. They're made in illicit labs that the cartels control in Mexico, and they put fentanyl in there to do it on the cheap, and they don't pay close attention to the dosing, and a little tiny bit of fentanyl can kill you. That's what happened to Ray Muscolo. We're heading up into a really expensive part of the Hollywood Hills. So uh, this neighborhood that we're going into, it's all big, expensive houses. It's very green. Every house has got these jetliner views. A lot of them have infinity pools and some celebrities live up here. And I kept thinking when I was working on this story about the DEA agents coming up here at the beginning of the investigation, they had to go fetch Ray Muscolo's iPhones from his parents who uh, live up here in a huge mansion that's kind of fit for a rock star overlooking L.A. They are the founders of the Bedhead hair product line and the Tony and Guy hair salons. And they now have Ray's uh, daughter living here. She must be, what, uh, 18 months old or something like that now? And the Chihuahua Versace also lives in their house. But the very beginning of the investigation was the DEA fetching those phones. And once the family cracked 
the password for his iCloud account, they found the texts on Ray's phone that organized the drug deal the night that he um, overdosed and died. And that was the key to cracking the case, was finding this text message. Up the driveway. I guess you did a number. Hello, resident. Hello, it's Michael. I guess we'll park up here. The gate just opened. There's a sign that says Mascolo Masterpiece on the fence, and beyond are jetliner views of LA. daughter here. She's must be about 17, 18 months old now. Paintings all over the walls of the house. Ray's dad, Bruno, is an artist, and this is all his artwork. We're about to see when they open. We can come into the, the study. Okay. Hi. Uh, this way? Yes. Okay. Coffee or anything? Uh, water's perfect, actually. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess at first, still shocked because I really thought we didn't have to worry about this at all. We thought Ray was doing so good that we wouldn't have to be dealing with anything like this. We saw the video of him going in and out of the house to get in a car with the delivery person. Yeah, the ring camera footage at the same time as we're seeing the text, so we're putting the timeline together and understanding. And I mean, I was even like affected by what was he wearing when he went in and out of the car. And just like, whose car is that? What is that? Like, I don't have an awareness that there's delivery, just like Postmates or Uber Eats or ordering a pizza and they come to your house and bring you anything. I had no awareness to that whatsoever. So just to take that in and uh, realize it, that's another part of our society and our delivery system. It's, it's just outrageous. Yeah, just outrageous. The federal investigation really gets going 
here, outside of the Pantages Theater at uh, Hollywood Boulevard and Argyle Avenue. Across the street is this huge apartment complex, about six stories high, hundreds of uh, apartments, some of them overlooking the Capitol Records building, some of them over Hollywood Boulevard. But that's where Mimi Todorova lived. And her social media feed makes it look like she was really into the nightlife, partying all the time, cocktail in hand usually, beach resorts, nightclubs, dance clubs, rave parties, you name it. That was her life. And she also had an MBA from uh, Cal State uh, Channel Islands, and she had a bachelor's degree in microbiology from UC San Diego. She doesn't fit the typical profile of a drug dealer. But the feds, once they saw the text messages on Ray Muscolo's phone, and they figured out that he was texting with Mimi Todorova. They realized that she lived here in this apartment building, and they started tailing her all around town. So up here on Argyle Avenue, right in the shadow of the Capitol Records building, they got a squad of six or seven DEA agents who would follow her around town. And so they staked out the parking garage here and watched her come and go. So here in the back of the building, where it's a little bit more quiet away from the hustle bustle, the cops, or the DEA agents rather, would watch Todorova do what appeared to be drug deals here outside the building. And the text messages that they later found on her computer seemed to bear out that she would meet people for drug transactions outside here. But one night, they saw her get in a car with a guy. Something happened. They followed, well, actually, it was a person. We don't know if it was a man or a woman. But the person she was doing some kind of business with out here became an informant and explained to the DEA agents that what she was doing was hiring drivers who would drive around town, just like she was when they were following her around, delivering drugs. According to the driver, she would pay $37.50 an hour, so you could make two or $300 on a, on a night shift working for her. And if you ran out of supply, you ran out of cocaine uh, halfway through the shift, you'd come back here and meet her in the alley back here, uh, and she'd come down and bring you drugs. Once they finally had enough evidence to arrest her, they had a LAPD patrol car pull up behind her over here on Argyle, just right up the street, and turn the lights, etc. She pulled over at this mobile station on Franklin. They put her in handcuffs. They start searching her car. They tell her, we're going to execute a search warrant at your apartment. They go into her apartment, and they find all kinds of drugs, according to the DEA, including an oxycodone pill that tested uh, positive for fentanyl. But more importantly was they found phones. And that is what really unlocked the secret for the DEA of how big this operation was. There were 19 contacts listed in her phone as driver, and they could tell from all of the text traffic between her and these people that she appeared to be running them all around town with drugs. And so they started collecting 
her financial records, her banking records and everything else, and they figured out that in her last year before she was arrested, she took in more than $700,000, and she was taking it by Venmo, by Apple Pay, PayPal, you name it. And that's what really produced all this evidence that's been used against her and one of the drivers, who's now also under arrest. It was all there. So it's like all the tech efficiency that made this such a humming operation also was what led to its downfall evidence all over the place, on the phones themselves, on the servers of Apple and the phone companies, etc. One of the things that they later found out um, was that she was texting with one particular driver, an actor by the name of Cather Say, and he was suspected of being the driver who delivered drugs to Ray Mascolo the night that he OD'd. He and Todorova exchanged some messages that made her apartment up here sound like, like a makeshift drug lab. She was asking him to cook ketamine in her oven, to go under the sink, get some lidocaine, put it in the blender with the cocaine and mix it up, use a hammer and the blender to do something else with the, the molly or ecstasy or MDMA. So it would appear that they were putting together the drugs here in addition to whatever they were getting elsewhere. And uh, a mystery to this day is where exactly she was buying her drugs. That day that she went to Bank of America in Los Feliz and picked up a few thousand dollars in cash, they followed her down to South LA and she went into some place on a building on West Adams Boulevard carrying the white envelope that appeared to be the cash. And she comes out a while later with a big bag. The DEA has identified this building where she went as a drug stash house for a Tijuana drug cartel. But nobody above her in the operation, if there was an operation with other people above, has been charged with anything. So we don't really know how far this operation might lead. But once the DEA set their sights on this one driver who was suspected of delivering the drugs to Ray Mascolo, they started gathering evidence to do a search warrant over at his place to find out even more. The last phase of this investigation brought the DEA agents to this gray and white apartment complex in Koreatown. You've got some palm trees out front that could use some trimmings, weeds in the planters out front. It's seen better days. This is where a television actor by the name of Cather Say lived, and he was listed as one of the drivers in Mimi Todorova's phone. And he was suspected of being the driver who showed up at Ray Mascola's house in the white Honda Civic to deliver him drugs the night he OD'd. We'll be back after another short break. And we're back. Here's LA Times Courts reporter Michael Finnegan once again. He picks up the story at the point where the investigation turns towards one of the drivers in the drug delivery ring. 
they checked his phone records and discovered that his phone had pinged off the cell tower out in front of Roy Moscolo's house in Beverly Hills right at the time of the drug deal. And they started following him around town. They followed him to an acting school up on Santa Monica Boulevard where he appeared to go in for a class, presumably. And um, they looked him up online and discovered he was a TV actor who'd been in some pretty prominent shows. He was on uh, SWAT, the CBS show. He was on uh, Luther on uh, Netflix. But the parts were really small. It was plausible that he could also be working on the side to make some money working for Todorova. So they eventually got a search warrant and went in here at four in the morning and searched his apartment. And we don't know exactly what they found, but we do know that after that, he was indicted and arrested. And in the indictment, there is a whole new trove of text messages between him and Todorova and some customers. And that was what really showed the sweep of the whole operation. And I think probably the most revealing things that came out of this indictment was the text messages about fentanyl coming from customers. Todorova, it turns out, was told at least two or three times before the night that Muscolo bought the drugs by customers that they thought fentanyl was in her pills, the oxyblues or oxycodone pills. They'd gotten uh, sick, and then a few times after Muscolo died, customers also told Todorova that they'd been sick and thought that the pills had fentanyl in them. There was one person who even wrote that they'd just gotten back from the emergency room because they were that sick. And according to the DEA, she kept selling drugs. There's no sign that she stopped. Now they're awaiting trial. Todorova and Sai are supposed to be on trial in uh, May and they're charged with, among other things, distributing fentanyl that resulted in Ray Muscolo's death. If they're convicted on that count alone, it's 20 years minimum in federal prison. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Next week, an investigation into the January 6th proceedings at Capitol Hill, Earth Day, and so much more. Angel Carreras was a head fan this episode, and our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, Ashley Brown, David Toledo, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz, our editor is Kinsey Moore. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton, and our theme music is by Andrew Eatman. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to put you podcasts. And hey, we still want your feedback. We always want your feedback. Call us or text 619-800-0717, 619-800-0717. Tell us who you are, what you think about our show. Give us some good jokes, good critiques, whatever, even bad critiques. Just bring them, bring them, bring them, bring them. 
thanks in advance. And me, of course, I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back next week with all the news on this matter. Gracias. Gracias.